0: This morning is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. Um, if you've ever worshipped in an Anglican church, you may have noticed that at the end of the scripture reading, the reader says, This is the word of the Lord, and the congregation responds, Thanks be to God. So I invite you to do that today. Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one call, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level the rugged places, of the plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning.
1: they are, the Sunday off, We're going to bless them, and continue to remember them in our prayers. I was supposed to preach in January, and uh, a Blackout, we had a power out here, which bumped me off my spot in January, and as I was preparing a sermon on Friday, I simply gave up. The snow was coming, Christoph canceled youth, and I think, okay, here's another one, I think one of my boys said, Dad, I don't think the Lord wants you to preach anymore. <laughs> but today is a gorgeous day. It was increasing the world to fear, and it's good to be here. There's a popular reality television show called Voice, and some of you may enjoy watching it. I, I've caught bits and pieces of it, and, and I think I know... The general tenet of what they're trying to do with this reality show is that it's a competition to find the best voice from unknowns, people that we don't know about. Season performers choose one of the contestants, and then they proceed to coach that individual to start them. The voice is about helping unknowns find their musical voice. We talk generally, generally about people finding their voice. And this isn't about singing. It's about finding yourself and being you. Pinterest as a whole page dedicated to finding your voice. So guys, you need to find this page to find your voice. This morning, we're being introduced to a man who found his voice. So we return to the Gospel of John, Chapter 1 called the series, God Among Us. Last Sunday, Dave took us through the opening verses of the Gospel. The first few verses read like poetry. Poetry is meant to be heard. There's simplicity and depth to the images of words being used by John. His opening line is, in the beginning. John hopes that we'll recognize this line. We'll recognize it as the opening line to God's Word. Genesis 1-1. Hearing in the beginning reminds us that we're part of a very, very big story. And within this very big story, something new is about to happen. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that had been made. In Him was life, and that life... Was the light of all people. A light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. He himself was not light, he came as a witness to the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And these opening verses of John's Gospel. We're introduced to two characters, a word made human, Jesus, and a man sent from God, whose name was John. If you haven't found your way to the Gospel of John chapter 1, I encourage you to find your way there on your analog or your digital device. We're looking at verses 19 to 34. A fresh wind was blowing in Jerusalem, and the wind was coming out of the wilderness, that was an unusual place for a fresh wind to come from. People were whispering, Have you heard about the fellow preaching down in the desert? Have you been out to see him? Curious crowds headed out to see for themselves who this man was. He spoke with authority, calling the people of Israel to repent, to turn around and to head toward God. Some were saying, He's the Messiah, long away the long-awaited king. Others thought that he was Elijah. Or the prophet, a spiritual prophet of God, had not spoken in the land for 400 years. Thus saith the Lord, had not been heard for a very, very long time. And those responsible for protecting and keeping Israel's religious tradition, keeping guard over it, were wondering what was happening. The rumors circulating, they didn't, they didn't know what was going on. It was very unsettling because Jerusalem was the center of religious thought. Jerusalem was the place where new things should be happening. The temple was the epicenter of God's home. The wilderness, on the other hand, was a place of chaos, of death. That was where evil and the evil one lived. What good could come out of the desert? didn't take long for a delegation to be sent from Jerusalem and find its way to the wilderness to see who this man was. Listen to what happened. Verse 19. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? He came right on and he said, I'm not your Messiah. Well then, who are you? he asked. Are you Elijah. No, he replied. Are you the prophet we're expecting? No. Then, who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. And the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, If you are the Messiah or Elijah the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John, John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River, where John was baptizing. John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, rejects all things made of him. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. Sports teams like to single out their best player. After the Super Bowl, the MVP most valuable player was Nick Foyles. In rugby, after the game, the player of the match is chosen. They love to highlight that person. In hockey, we have the three stars following the game. If there were a three-star selection of Israel's top historical figures, we have them listed here in this passage. The Messiah, Elijah, and the prophets. Messiah was code-named for the anticipated king, but not just any old king. This was a king from the line of King David. He would be the one that would deliver them from captivity. Christ is the Greek form of the Hebrew word, Messiah. Elijah was, is best known for what happened on Mount Carmel when he, he defeated 450 prophets of Baal. The Bible tells us of his unusual end. He was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. His return would signal a new day, a new beginning. Prophet Malachi says this about Elijah Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. The third star is identified as the prophets, and this is in reference to Moses believed to be the greatest prophet of Israel. In Deuteronomy, Moses is speaking, and he says this, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, like Moses, from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Moses is mentioned 78 times in the New Testament, the most of any other Old Testament figure. Eli Weisel, Holocaust survivor and, and writer, wrote this about Moses. Moses was the most solitary and most powerful hero in biblical history. The immensity of his task and the scope of his experience command our admiration, our reverence, our awe. Moses, the man who changed the course of history, his emergence became the decisive turning point. After him, nothing was the same again. Think about Jesus the prophet. Imagine the religious delegation from Jerusalem surrounding John, John they having cornered. Here are three stars, John. Which one are you? And John the baptizer he answers, I'm a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. John didn't say the first thing that popped into his head. These were just any old words. He spoke words that were well known. The religious leaders knew this passage off by heart. John is quoting the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 40, verse 3, that read in this passage just before the sermon. In the ancient world, when royalty traveled, a way for them was prepared, valleys were filled in. Mounds level, curve, straight, and the road made level, made smooth. We don't do that today. The closest example may be the motorcade that brings an important delegation to town. And so sirens swap, warning people to get out of the way. Someone special is coming, and heads turn to see who it is. Post- Pope Francis, as he moves through a community in his Pope creates such a stir. John the baptizer is the siren, the voice announcing to the people that someone great, royalty, is about to pass by. John understood his role. He was the point person. His role was to point people to Jesus. It was never about him. It was always and only about Jesus. And the message remains the same today. As preachers, we have a tendency to want to have the focus on ourselves rather than pointing people to Jesus. It's an easy thing to fall into. I love a cartoon I found on Twitter. And it's a cartoon that has a spotlight focused on Pastor Bob because it's all about Pastor Bob. And it's so easy for us to have it all become about us, having the spotlight on us. Wednesday morning, Billy Graham died at the age of 99. He was a point person, a voice preparing the way for Jesus. He kept pointing people to Jesus, him alone. John had no other purpose, no other message. He was the voice preparing the way for Jesus. We have no purpose, no other message than being the voice that prepares people for Jesus. The religious leaders then ask John why he's baptizing. If he isn't one of these historical characters, then why are you baptizing? You don't have time to, to go into that. I just want to remind you that we have baptism membership classes taking place, and we look at John's baptism versus Jesus' baptism, and we explore why it's important to be obedient in following Jesus' in baptism. So if you're curious about that, Come, it's not too late to join us Sunday mornings at 9 in the Summit Group. Come ask your questions. Just because you come doesn't mean you have to be baptized, but come and learn. We come to a scene change between verse 28 and verse 29. A scene has changed with setting hasn't. John is still in the wilderness, but it's a new day. Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he exists long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. We barely... Entered into the story, and the author John has given away the ending. How unfair! There's no suspense left. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. People were heading to the wilderness to hear John the Baptist. He dressed differently, he ate some weird food, and he spoke from his heart, and he offended the people in power. But his words, his message was refreshing full of hope. I've never lived under the rule of an oppressive regime. My mom and dad did. Dad would talk about it to me. It was a memory that would last and live with him forever. he would never forget it. He cherished the freedom he had here in Canada. The children of Israel were living under a repressive rule. They had lived this way for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yes, they returned from exile. They were no longer living in Babylon, but they were still exiles in their homeland. They weren't free. The voice calling in the desert was a voice of hope, calling to a people surrounded by darkness, telling them that their king was coming. Their deliverer was on the way. Imagine yourself as one of John the Baptist's followers. You've listened to his message for for days, weeks, months now. You've repented. You've been baptized by him. You're all in. Then one day you wake up. And it's not unlike all the other days. The foreign power that rules your land hasn't left. But your world is interrupted with these words. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world your life your world would never be the same again. A few years ago, I took a course in the Gospel of John. It was taught by Harold Johnson. At that time, he was the pastor at the First Baptist Church in Vancouver. And he unraveled, unraveled verse 29 this way. And he said, you can read this verse two ways. One way is how John wrote it. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Or you can read it backwards. The world's sin takes away the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the world's sin takes away the Lamb of God. The world is human society organizing itself against God. His deliverance his plan is going to extend beyond the borders of Israel. His rescue operation is for the whole world. This is the new in the beginning. Sin is rejecting God. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He's a rebel who must lay down his arms. Sin is not a little bit of naughtiness on our part. We saw the consequence of sin in a high school in Parkland, Florida last week. In January, the Turpin family in California was the poster child for sin. We barely remember that story. It was a family of 13 children, mostly physically abused by their parents. Sin is the top story in our online news feed. We just don't call it that anymore. We tend to see sin more clearly in others than in ourselves. Here's another way of looking at sin. Sin is the universal addiction to self that develops when individuals put themselves in the center of their personal world in a way that leads to abuse of others and self. Sin is a force to be reckoned with. It keeps us from being fully human. And the Lamb of God is going to be the one that does something about it. In fact, John the Baptist says, it will be taken away. The Lamb of God will take away, carry off the sin of the world. The Lamb does this. Jesus is the Lamb. John the Baptist has once again taken attention off himself and put it squarely on God's Lamb on Jesus. This was a new image for them. God's Messiah was never viewed as a lamb. We who live on this side of history are very comfortable with this image. Even today the question is asked, if the lamb is the Messiah, if he is a lamb, which one? Which lamb is he? There are many possibilities. If you go through scripture, you will run across eight or nine different lambs. I'm going to highlight four of them. There's Isaiah's lamb, Isaiah 53, verse 7, the lamb led to slaughter. There's the scapegoat of Leviticus 16, and yes, it's a goat, not a lamb, but in the ancient world, moving images around, it's not a big deal. It wasn't a huge leap for them. The scapegoat was sent out into the wilderness on the day of atonement. The high priest would lay his hands on the lamb, putting the sins of the people of Israel on the land, and then send it out to the land would carry off, take away the sin of the people, God. Then there's the guilt offering lamb, Mel- Leviticus Melch- 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 14. We don't have to exclude any of these lambs from our discussion. Each one adds color and depth to a picture of who Jesus, the Lamb of God, is. However, the Passover lamb takes the front row seat. John's Gospel places Jesus' death on the afternoon when the Passover lamb is being killed in the temple. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 5. He said, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. John, the author of this book, is relying on our memories once again. He's hoping that we'll remember the Old Testament stories. The Passover lamb stood at the heart of Israel's deliverance story in the book of Exodus. God delivered his people from slavery and death in Egypt. He baptized them in the Red Sea. He led them to freedom. The sacrifice of the Passover lamb was a critical piece in the New beginning. A deliverer's arrival is announced. He stands among them. This Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world offers not just God's people freedom. He offers freedom to the whole world. This is freedom from a dark, more sinister captivity than ever realized. The Freedom would allow the new people of God to live under tyrannical rulers all the time knowing that they were freedom. But they would be content with the way things were. They would keep working for the freedom of all. There have been many voices through the ages who've reminded us that the freedom we have is not something to hang on to, it's not a personal, private freedom. It's that, but it's much, much more. Martin Luther King Jr., in his famous freedom speech given August 28, 1963, reminds us what can happen when we fight for everyone's freedom. He begins, I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. He's quoting directly from Isaiah chapter forty. This is our hope, he continues. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill in Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And when this happens and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, We'll be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Hebrew spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children who not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband as well, but born of God. The Word became flesh and bathed His well among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is our hope, receiving Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Do you need fresh hope today? Monday morning comes hard and fast, and sometimes we need a glimmer of hope. Threshold, Jesus stands here with you and me, offering this hope. Receive his hope today. Receive Jesus today. He invites you to experience true freedom so that you can echo the words of Martin Luther King Jr. with a clear voice. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God almighty.
0: We are free at last. Let us pray.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the voice of John who called in the wilderness, revealing your son, Jesus, to us. Lord, we are a people that live in darkness and in pain. A new hope, and Lord, as we allow your spirit to move among us this morning, I pray that your light that could not be overcome by darkness would reveal self to our hearts. Jesus, reveal yourself, in your hearts. Lord. May we receive you and walk out of here with you this
0: day. in Jesus' name.